Welcome to the 83rd episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we are joined by our guy Brandon Gabor from Deep Dive Fantasy Football to talk DK Metcalf, what you should do with him in Dynasty, and some other topics that you don't want to miss. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. We have a special guest today to talk about a bunch of different topics. And special guest today, Brandon Gabor, otherwise known as at Deep Dive Fantasy Football on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, it is a pleasure having you. You're one of my favorite Twitter accounts. I came across, I wanted to get you on uh, for a specific reason. I kind of talked to you about that. The You made a DK Metcalf video talking about why he actually might be a dynasty sell um that's something that being someone who owns dk metcalf i've kind of internally talked to myself about it but i never actually came out and said it to anybody because selling a guy like dk metcalf on the surface i mean he's 20 what 22 years old had a great season physically dominant player um it's easy to fall in love with those things and not really understand the underlying circumstances behind his production this year um, so you laid out a very interesting case on YouTube. I want you to tell me a little bit about like deep dive fantasy, what you guys do, and then we'll also get into the dynasty or dynasty content and also DK Metcalf. So thank you for joining us and you have the floor. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate, appreciate it very much. Um, so yeah, deep dive FF on Twitter. I have a, a website that I started a while back. I put articles, rankings, uh, I have like merch and other stuff on there. Uh, it's just deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And yeah, so when it comes to DK, um, and obviously I have a podcast too, when it comes to DK Metcalf, something that I always try to do in fantasy is like when I see people, especially like on the fantasy Twitterverse, right? Whenever I see a whole bunch of people all going the same direction, I always want to like make sure that, you know, there's like that's the right thing to do so when I saw everyone saying like DK is wide receiver one and Justin Jefferson's wide receiver one for dynasty and like everyone's like having the DK Jefferson debate to me I saw so many like things standing out that says like DK is a huge sell because when someone views him as the wide receiver one like and, and I'll ask you this what would you expect from a dynasty wide receiver one like the number one receiver what kind of production would you expect for it to be like a good return of value you would want what like top five for at least a few years right um tyler I, you can also comment on this i think when when someone says dynasty wide receiver one maybe it doesn't happen every time but yeah, like i think julio jones is like the the barometer where it's like a consistent top seven finish like you can just plug him in your lineup every week and if he scores a touchdown great he's going for 30 but he's honestly a consistent 20 ppr points almost every given week because he goes for what, like 1,500 yards every year. That's, that's personally what I believe the dynasty wide receiver one is. Um, I don't factor age too much into it. Obviously you want a younger player, but that's what it is for me. Tyler, uh, you can give your definition of it. Yeah. As far as the age, I really don't, it really depends on the player because some, some players are really more um, reliant on the athleticism that they have. So, um, you know, a guy like, for example, Devontae Adams is, 28 years old and some people might that might turn off some people when factoring factoring in like a Metcalf versus Devontae Adams conversation but like Devontae Adams isn't overly uh reliant on that athleticism like he doesn't need to be like the the four five four four kind of guy that some of these guys need to be to be productive on a fantasy football field and along with that he's obviously he's 
probably has the greatest chemistry with uh, the, his quarterback in the NFL um, with Aaron Rodgers, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is who he is. So, um, like, yeah, for me, like, I just think of that consistent production, and that's why I kind of think of Devontae Adams as that wide receiver one, even at 28 years old. So. Yeah. So, so the age thing for me, I think, is it's very league-specific because if you're in a league with people in Dynasty that – you don't really, you know, they're not childhood friends. They're not people that you trust that this league is going to be extended over a period of five, seven years. And you're looking at like a, a three-year window. Or if you're somebody that likes to attack dynasty football in like a three-year window, then you would not look at age as that big of a deal, you know, because you, you're you not 100% confident in the longevity of the league that you're in. But if you're in a league that you know is going, you know, to like the long haul, then I would factor age as a big thing that was actually the only reason that Devontae Adams was a little bit lower for me I think I have him at like five maybe five or six and it's only because of the age but going back to DK the thing for me is like like you said um it, it's Gadiel right is that how I pronounce it yes yeah, right. yeah you're Gadiel. good that, that's a sick name by the way <laughs> but um so when it comes to uh to a wide receiver one in dynasty like you were saying julio jones you want somebody that's consistently top five or top seven ish dk metcalf i think he's very close to producing his like his ceiling season this year and he was wide receiver seven and like even if you pull his like best group of games his first 10 games he was averaging 19.5 points per game right? That's not even at the 20 mark that you were talking about earlier. And you do want that. And that's talking about being in a Seattle offense that usually has the identity of leaning on the run, being more efficient in the pass game on less pass attempts, and then also focusing on defense. This is the worst defense Seattle has had. It has caused Seattle to pass the most times since Russ has been there his entire career. Since 2012, he passed the most uh, had the highest pass touchdowns of his career, second highest pass yardage of his career, highest completions of his career. All of these things are highs. Obviously, that's an outlier. It's not going to continue this way. And DK Metcalf was not even a top five wide receiver. And this was also in a year where Michael Thomas was hurt and Chris Godwin was hurt. And we had, you know, a bunch of other guys just miss games and stuff like that. So to me, when people are valuing him as a wide receiver one, that basically means you can trade him for anybody. And there are a lot of people I would rather have in dynasty football than, uh, than DK Metcalf. So when I'm looking at the situation and knowing how it's going to change, it's very, uh, very scary to me. And I want to get DK off my team while I can. I mean, if you want to hold him, hold him, but you know, if you can get max value for him, I would, especially because people think he's going to get way better when Tyler Lockett's gone. It's not going to be the case. Lockett's not hogging, you know, eight targets a game. Lockett's not one of those huge target guys. And if anything, he makes it easier for DK because once Lockett's gone, DK is going to have double coverage and he's not the type of receiver that is a polished enough route runner or has the like quick quickness, like, you know, short area burst and stuff like that to be able to escape coverage like that. So to me, there's just so many reasons that DK is going to be worse. And even if you look at his last six games this year, 12.5 points per game. So, and that's when they stop throwing the ball a lot. Yeah, I – oh, no, Tyler, go ahead. I won't cut you off. I was just going to say, um, you know, you talk about those last six games where he averaged 12.5 points per game. I think that speaks to the identity that the Seahawks have had over the past, like, three or four years of, like, wanting to pound the, the rock. Um, obviously, uh, Chris Carson and Carl, uh, Carlos Hyde had a, a 
pretty injury riddled season, especially Chris Carson. And you had a few games where um, I think Travis Homer started a game. Uh, there's another running back that's slipping my mind right now. That's like their DJ fourth Dallas. string. DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas. He had like yeah. two starts or something. Yeah. yeah he, he had those two starts as well. So obviously that made Russ or that made the offense more reliant on the passing game, which allowed DK Metcalf to obviously get more, more volume. So um, yeah, I think that, I, I think that, the team wants to continue with that identity of pounding the rock because that's, that's where they've had their, their success. Like that's, that's how Russell Wilson um, has built his success. Like it's just been uh, having the run game uh, next to him and then using the play action to uh, get his deep uh, receivers open and lock it uh, DK Metcalf. So um, yeah, I, I think that the injuries for Hyde and uh, Chris Carson definitely had a factor in, in DK Metcalf's production and you know if they go a different route with, with the running back possibly a more uh, durable option I think that you could definitely see uh, DK Metcalf's um, production dip a little bit especially in the the target category but um, I just don't see him as a guy that's like very reliant on the targets um, but even at that he was at wide receiver seven this yeah. this year so I think that He's a guy that's kind of going to hover around that area just because he doesn't get those targets. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I really don't see him as the wide receiver one because of the, the offense that he's in. Yes. He's strapped to Russell Wilson for at least two more years, but like he, he's not a high volume guy. And that's really what that that's part of the consistency that you get that you expect from your wide receiver, the wide receiver one in dynasty. So um I would definitely look at uh, other directions for that wide receiver one. Okay. And uh, actually you just reminded me of something too, when you're talking about the running backs. So not only were the running backs a little bit healthier in the end of the season, and you can point to that being part of the, the dip, but also that's when Jamal Adams came back and that's when their defense got better. And you look at that defense, man, there's so many holes. And I believe yeah. actually either a free agent this year or next year, but like there's not that many routes for that defense to get worse than it is already. So if that defense sees any improvement, that's just further reinforcing, you know, the identity that we've been talking about for Seattle. And um, lastly, like you were saying, he's not a high volume guy. So even people that say, you know, fade situation, go talent. And like, I completely understand that, but I think people take it too far. But even if you're taking that really far, DK Metcalf is never going to be a 160 target guy. And if you look at the wide receiver one on any year, they're always in that type of target range, mm -hmm. you know? So DK Metcalf's never going to have that absolute ceiling that you want. He'll have game to game ceiling, but he also has a low floor because of it, because of his yeah. low volume. I, you guys literally like covered every single talking point that I wanted to try to go to here. I just, I think if you can get really, really good value for him right now, because like you guys have said, if he's being valued as a wide receiver one, it is a good time to try to sell because of all the reasons you guys said. So I totally agree there. Um, there's definitely a few players that I would prefer just because I think they can get that high volume. Honestly, the way that I'm looking at him, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful sense, but kind of like what Kenny Galladay was going into last year, like he had a really big season, like really efficient, scored a lot of touchdowns, whatever. Just a younger version of that is what I think DK Metcalf currently is that isn't disrespectful I think to DK Metcalf I think Kenny Galladay is one hell of a receiver but he's just not going to be that guy like you guys said that gets enough volume to become that consistent like there's going to be boom weeks there's going to be bust weeks and DK Metcalf is probably someone that you want to own is like 
a wide receiver two in fantasy if possible, but right now you're paying a high, high, high wide receiver one price. And that is not ideal. He'll still finish probably in like low wide receiver one, mid wide receiver one territory for the foreseeable future, just because he is so physically gifted and he plays with Russell Wilson, but those targets are not going to be there for him to be the cream of the crop, the way that Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones have been and Antonio Brown thrown in the mix, DeAndre Hopkins over the last few years. So I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, Brandon, I do know that you are a Bucks fan, so I do want to talk about the upcoming matchup that you guys have this week. Um, trying to be as unbiased as possible, obviously, because you're a Bucks fan. Uh, how are you looking at this matchup between the Bucks and the Packers this week? So first off, like I'm a huge guy who believes in motivation. Like I think that's a huge part of sports. So that's what scares me the most because part of the reason I love the Bucks versus the Saints was the motivation of being swept 2-0 and there's no way we're going to let them do that again and like finish us off 3-0. So now we're looking at the exact other side of the coin. The, the Packers lost to us. I think it was their worst loss of the season. Uh, I believe it was 20, 38 to 10, right? 38 to 10. And um, yeah, our defense made Rodgers look really bad. Um, and our offense was just good enough and was doing, you know, what they need to do with the turnovers from the defense that I think that Packers team is like, that's such good whiteboard material. And Rodgers has been playing out of his mind. Um, they have Alan Lazard back. He's, he's not like a crazy contributor, but they have some pieces that they didn't have before um, when they played us. The biggest thing for me is really just it's going to be does who gets some more turnovers? Are we going to be able to slow down Aaron Rodgers? Because our offense definitely has the talent to go toe to toe. Um, usually the Bucks come out the gate pretty slow. I don't think that's going to kill us because it's a, you know, a really cold game. It's probably not going to be super high scoring. So the Bucks definitely have a chance. Um, I'm really nervous, though. I've easily picked the Bucks in the last two playoff games as like when I was going through my picks on the podcast. This uh, for this week, I'm not 100% confident in who I'm going to pick yet, whether it's the Packers or the Bucks. But yeah, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a good game. I think it's just going to come down to which defense generates more turnovers because both offenses are pretty much unstoppable when they're on. And yeah, that's basically what I what I think the game's going to look like. It's going to be super close. Yeah, I mean, you said it's going to be a good game regardless of which way it goes. You're talking about two of the best quarterbacks ever and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and you know like in this kind of game like they're they're going to show up like they're, they're going to bring their best game um you know one thing for the Tampa Bay Bucks that's kind of a, a pretty big factor is uh, Vita Vea who I think he got hurt early on the season in the Chicago Bears game is now practicing with the team I'm not sure what his official status is for this upcoming game but if they were if he was to uh return to play for this this nfc championship game i think that'd be a substantial um upgrade for for this defense especially in the run game so um i, I don't think he played in that 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 uh that first packers game uh early on in the season so i think that's a huge factor in it um i think antonio brown's dealing with an injury as well but you know they, they have so much depth at the wide receiver position that like like it's not that big of a deal even though like AB is we like he's a great player. Um, the one thing that that like really has me uh, kind of confident in the Bucks this week is uh, Ronald Jones, who um, he was questionable for last game uh, against the Saints, like up to up until like an hour and a half before the game, and um, 
you know, there, he didn't play at all against the Washington football team. There's a lot of questions about whether he'd even get in this game or not, because like we we've been through the Ronald Jones train. Like he, like he either goes up, gets like 25 carries and then gets like two touchdowns or like Bruce Arians will just keep him on the sideline after dropping one pass early on in the game. So uh, to see the, to see Bruce Arians trust them in this kind of game against the saints and interdivisional rival divisional game, like, two of the best quarterbacks ever another situation like that to trust him in that situation, I think was significant. And I think that he's the best runner in this backfield for the bucks. Uh, he's definitely performed as such this season. And I think that he can be a, a big factor uh, against the green Bay Packers. I look at him as the X factor of the game. I think that he really has a big game against this green Bay rushing defense. Uh, I look at that as green Bay's biggest uh, flaw and I think that the Bucks can definitely expose that um, very substantially so um, that's kind of where I lean towards the Bucks. it's that it's that run game and kind of being being able to control the clock and um, you know ha- kind of having the defense on their heels and that that's kind of where Tom Brady is at his best like when he has a very good run game that and he can uh, use the play action to his advantage so um that's that's kind of where I stand on the game. I, I really think that the Bucks could win this game, but or I think that they will win this game. But uh, you know the Packers are just they're so talented. They they obviously have the opportunity to win this game as well. Um, so that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. Yeah, I yeah I like that a lot. The X factor of being Rojo, and also just to your point about Vita Vea, the Packers game was the first game that he missed. So yeah, we didn't have him versus the Packers. And the assumption right now for this week is that he's going to be on a snap count. So hopefully they deploy him in like goal line, uh, first downs, short yarded situations. They also I mean, added they added a nose tackle. I think the week after the Packers game, um, I want to say. Oh, Steve yeah. Steve McClendon. I don't even yeah, know if Steve McClendon. I didn't know if it was yeah. him or McCullers, but uh, has he been playing? No. Uh, McClendon? I don't. I haven't seen him. Let me just check real quick. I just uh, know his Instagram handle is at Big Black McClendon. I thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, think I, I, I like the Bucks this week, dude. I like the Bucks. Tyler, you stole my X Factor that I did want to talk about because you know how <laughs> I love Rojo. I've been touting Rojo since like the end of last year. I, I really think he's like a really, really good football player. Does he struggle in the past game? Sure. Whatever. He can dominate between the tackles in this game. And I think this game is going to be one in the trenches. Um, you look at Vitavea coming back, even if it's on a limited snap count, I think the, the, the Bucks front seven can dominate the – not dominate, but at least kind of neutralize the Packers run game a little bit. And you look at the Packers front seven, and if you look at the teams that have beaten the Packers this year, you need pretty much a dynamic running back in either Rojo, Dalvin Cook. Um, They've only lost like three games. I don't really know who else they lost to. Uh, I believe Jonathan Taylor. That was one of Jonathan Taylor's breakout games. So you need a dynamic running back. You need a balanced offense where if they are, they're really good when they can stop one thing. Like against the Rams last week, they said, okay, we're not going to let the run game absolutely destroy us. And then the Rams only put up 18 points. You know, Jared Goff isn't going to go into Lambeau field and carry the team. So they, they obviously shut them down. They're really good when they know you're either going to pass or throw because they have a good secondary. They have uh, a capable, I want to say front seven. They're not the strongest up the middle. 
And I just think the balance of the Bucks offense with Tom Brady there with the run game is just, I, I don't know how the Packers are able to make the Bucks one dimensional in this game. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, yes, he can throw for 300 yards, but if you do not have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams giving their fair share in this game, I think the Bucks will win. And I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I just think they can win this game in the trenches. Their offensive line and defensive line are better. Uh, also, David Bakhtiari is out. He tore his ACL in like week 12 or something. So that I think is going to be a big impact. They haven't played against a really good edge rusher yet. And against the Bucks, you really have to pick your poison because Ndamukong Sue can get you up the middle. You have Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett. I mean, they are really going to test whoever that backup left tackle is. I just think the Bucks schematically, this is a dream matchup for them in such a big game. And if you punch the Packers in the mouth early, I think this is a similar situation to last year in the NFC Championship game, where if you punch them in the mouth early, I don't think they really fight back enough to win the game. Uh, do I think it's going to be a blowout? No, I think it's going to be a good game. But I do believe the, the Bucks will actually be able to come in, keep it close early, and then separate themselves eventually. And when you do that against Aaron Rodgers, um, it's not going to be a guaranteed win because he's so damn good, but I just think they have the run game to keep the Packers guessing. And then, you know, Tom Brady, if you have linebackers playing run pff, game over, I mean, Brady's going to dice you up. So yeah, I, I think the Bucks win here. I'm definitely loving the Bucks. Um, I do want to talk about the Bills and Chiefs game as well. Um, I have really no horse in this race. I don't care who wins. I'm glad to see the two best quarterbacks in the AFC playing against each other. That's honestly all I care about. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? I'll let Tyler take it away because, like like you said, I don't have, like, a, a specific horse in this race. So, Tyler, you should start us off. I think first and foremost, this, this game is so – it just, like, 100% reliant on whether Patrick Mahomes plays or not because it looks like he's going to play. Yeah. So if, if, if for whatever reason he doesn't like it's, it's a bill's lock in my opinion, I don't think that Chad Henney can really <laughs> um, like put in work even with Kelsey and uh, Tyree Killen. But um, you know, looking at this game, I think that the, these, these two teams are kind of similar in the sense that uh, they're obviously very dominant in the passing game obviously with Mahomes and Josh Allen has really improved as a quarterback. We've talked about that a lot, uh, having Stefan Diggs there and just improving as a quarterback, Brian Dable doing a very good job as an offensive coordinator, but um, they both really struggle uh, running the ball as an offense. You know, uh, Devin Singletary has been uh, banged up throughout the season. Zach Moss is out for the postseason. Um, even in this past game against the Baltimore Ravens, I don't think that they even ran the ball until yeah, I like, think like late nine... the second nine total running back carries uh like tj yeldon was getting involved hadn't heard that name in a while oh my gosh i didn't even know you saw on the team but um, i don't think he did either honestly uh, but i don't think that they actually ran the ball until like late second quarter which is kind of crazy to say but um yeah i mean chiefs kind of have that same situation their their uh offensive line isn't great and the production that they've gotten from Le'Veon bell hasn't been fantastic so they've also kind of um, relied on that. They, they haven't had a very good run defense or run offense, sorry. So I think it's just going to come down to the the performance between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, which is, sounds pretty obvious. Um, but I just feel like the Chiefs offense is so like overwhelmingly good 
as like as far as the weapons that they have and the experience that they have i just feel like um the the bills are one year away from really competing with the chiefs in uh the afc championship um i just think that the experience that that this team has um especially like the, the chemistry that they they've had, like this team for the most part is very similar to what they've had. They, they had last year when they won the Super Bowl. So I think that definitely factors into a situation like this, but um, I, as long as Patrick Mahomes plays, I, I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident in the chiefs winning this game. I think it'll be, this will be another game. That's pretty close. Um, you know, Josh Allen is going to fight for Bill's mafia, but um I think that eventually the Chiefs come out on top and we see a uh, a Brady versus Mahomes Super Bowl. That's, that would be electric, to say the least. This is like the best quarterback matchups I feel like we've gotten in the Super Bowl yes. in a very long yeah. time. Like, regardless of what happens, I will look at this and be like, this is going to be exciting to watch. These like, are these are going to be fantastic games. Like, we have three games left of these this NFL season. I, f- I have a feeling that they're all going to be, like, electric, like, fantastic, yeah. A1. We'll see. I think this Buc- I think this Bills Chiefs game is actually going to be really really good. I just I I honestly I kind of want to say I think the Bills have been playing better football than the Chiefs recently. But throw that all out the window. If you cannot run the ball and possess like get time of possession against Patrick Mahomes, you'll lose. And it's going to come down to honestly, I don't want to say Devin Singletary is the X factor, but the entire Bills running game, like if you can get Josh Allen and Devin Singletary to average like five to maybe six yards a carry which sounds like a lot but i think that's kind of what you're going to need to get you into those second and short third and short situations against the chiefs then i think the bills have a chance but if not i i don't see a way in which patrick mahomes lets this one slip through i think he had an okay game last week um i think he'll probably play better this weekend you're not really going to get two straight bad games in a row from mahomes um brandon let me know what you think but i i I'm picking the Chiefs here, but I think it's actually going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, I think it will, too. Um, to be honest, I haven't put that much thought into this game, which is why I wanted to let you guys go first, especially hearing you guys talk helps me remember things and think of things because I've been focusing on my Bucks and on fantasy. Right? <laughs> I don't blame so, you. It's a big week for Bucks Nation. It really is. Yeah, for real. It's been too long. But uh, uh, the more I think about it, man, I really think the Bills' defense might be one of the best defenses to match up with the Chiefs' offense, even though their defense has not been nearly as good as last year. Yeah, And I think the X factor is going to be Tredavious White, but not only how good he plays, but where they use him. Um, so you are a Patriots fan. I'm sure you remember Tredavious White locking up Gronkowski. Oh, yeah. Like, Trey like, White, he's so, one of the few yeah. players that can guard tight ends, like guard up. He can do that. Exactly. So if they put him, and he's not the fastest guy, right? So if you put him on digs, he's not even going to be able to really just take him out of the game because of the speed. It's kind of what you saw with, um, or I mean, I said digs, I meant Tyreek Hill. Um, we know what you mean. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of what you saw with Tyreek Hill versus Carlton Davis on my Bucks team, actually, because Carlton Davis has done a great job on Michael Thomas. He did a great job on Devontae Adams. I think that was his worst fantasy game of the year was versus mm-hmm. Carlton Davis. Um, he, he locks up wide receivers pretty well, except for somebody like Tyree Hill is super fast. I think it's kind of similar with Jadavius White. So if they don't utilize him on uh, Tyreek and they put him on Kelsey, you can almost erase Kelsey from the game. And then if you just give safety help for Tyreek, all of a sudden you're looking at a, a game that might not be the Chiefs putting up 38 points, 35 mm-hmm. points, like you might initially expect when you're looking at the two offenses that are playing against each other. And the Bills defense 
is not great against the run, but like we've already talked about, the Chiefs are not strong in the run game. So I think the, the Bills defense is, is going to su- surprise some people. I still don't know who I think is going to win. I'm kind of undecided, but um, I definitely think it's going to come down to basically the scheme that they use for the Bills yeah, defense. The scheme that you just laid out, I mean, I've watched a lot of Patriots-Chiefs games over the last few years. Um, they actually did that against the Chiefs last year. They put Gilmore on Kelsey, which was a much more beneficial matchup because one-on-one Tyreek Hill just does not work. I don't care who you are in the NFL. Good luck with that. It's He's just so good. It doesn't matter how good you are at the line, like how good you are getting your hands on receivers. Tyreek Hill will burn you. He's just a freak. Like he's actually mm-hmm. a cheetah. Like he really, really is. So you, you, like you said, you double Tyreek Hill, you get that safety help. Then you're kind of making Mahomes read the field and we've seen time and time again when Mahomes has to do that you don't shut him down for the entire game but you can get two to three stops in a row when Mahomes is really just dinking and dunking his way down the field because he has that urge to take that home run shot all the time so that is really the only way I think you can beat the Chiefs but like you said that Bills defense is very suited to do this so it's going to be really interesting I am super excited um Tyler, any last thoughts on Bill's Chiefs before we kind of get back into some more fantasy conversation? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I didn't really think about that that scheme that the Bills could could go with with Trey White on on Travis Kelsey. In that, in which case, I think that you'd have to be heavily reliant in, on Le'Veon Bell in a game like this. Clyde, um, I think Ceh is going to play. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he's better than Le'Veon Bell right now. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, some people on Twitter won't, but I mean, I think Ceh Ceh is good. I like Ceh, but um obviously it's gonna be yards asking a lot of of, asking a lot of him coming back from injury and taking on a featured role so I think it's gonna be a lot of CEH and Daryl Williams um we'll see though but Brandon I did want to get some more of your dynasty we'll talk dynasty today like fantasy just pick your brain a little bit um who's one big name wide receiver I want to go big name and then under the radar who's one big name wide receiver that you're trying to get in trades right now all right a big name wide receiver would be Chris Godwin so I love that. We can, when you're looking at, like for me, when I'm trying to see, you know, buy lows or sell highs, there's two ways that you can go about it. You can look at ADP, dynasty ADP, or when it's this early in the off season, I, I don't think it's reliable, or you can look at expert consensus ranking, right? And ADP usually tends to follow expert consensus ranking, especially as the off season continues and progresses because people are listening to more podcasts, reading more articles and kind of just follow the experts so when i'm looking at expert consensus ranking chris godwin is ranked as wide receiver 11 in dynasty which i really don't understand because last year he was a consensus top five dynasty wide receiver right what changed this year for him to drop this year he broke his finger and played through it and he also had antonio brown get added to the team on a one-year deal basically i don't think antonio brown is going to be back especially because the bucks cap space if they bring godwin back which I think is is more likely than not, if they bring Godwin back, AB won't be returning for another three to $5 million deal. You know, that's, I doubt he's going to do that. He's probably going to go get paid somewhere. So you're adding more targets with AB gone. You're getting better play from Godwin, as we've seen in the playoffs. I mean, I hope something's wrong with his finger. Otherwise his confidence is just shot because he's been dropping everything (laughs) since the playoffs have started. But when you're looking at a guy like this, he is one of the most well-rounded receivers in the game. He is under 25 still. So the people that love youth, he's got the youth. And he's in a situation where whether he stays in Tampa or if he goes in free agency, he's going to be getting 
probably 140 plus targets on average per season for the rest of his career until he sees like the drop off at like whatever 31 or 32. So you're getting like six amazing years going forward because the Bucks offense is still throwing the ball. A lot of people worried about Brady. Brady led the league in intended air yards among quarterbacks. Like he's still chucking the ball downfield. And so when you have the Bucks offense that loves to throw the ball over 600 times a season, if he stays in Tampa, great. It's him and Mike Evans again. He's getting a whole bunch of targets when AB's gone and he's more healthy. If he leaves, that means he's getting paid at least. I mean, if the Bucks aren't resigning him, he's getting paid way too much. And if he's getting paid way too much, what's going to follow that? Targets, always. And so he'll be the wide receiver one for somebody else. And yeah, he, like no matter what, I, I don't see how he is outside of the top 10 pretty much. I think he'll be what we were talking about as a problem with DK. He'll be consistent. He will be a very consistent top 10, top eight wide receiver. He's my wide receiver four, ECR wide receiver 11. And he's younger than most of these guys and might be producing at the same level. Would you be surprised if Chris Godwin is scoring the same amount as DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs like he was last year? No, but he's also way younger. So I don't understand why he is ranked so low. Like I said, he's my four compared to the expert consensus rank 11. Yeah, I love Chris Godwin is actually the player that I wanted to talk about, too. It's kind of crazy. Um I, I had I drafted Chris Godwin last year just because I love the talent and then I traded him away because I really wanted DeAndre Swift and a future rookie pick. My team was not ready to compete compete or whatever. But now I honestly might look into trying to acquire Chris Godwin again because like you said, he can do everything. He's a do-it-all wide receiver. And even when they're in one receiver sets and they have like two or three tight ends on the field, Chris Godwin is the guy playing because he can do everything. He can block. Um, the player that I honestly like to compare him to is Devontae Adams in terms of what he could end up becoming in the NFL because he's kind of this wide receiver that started out, um, had some pretty good years to start, had a great year, and then was always like the 1B in his own offense. And then once you give Chris Godwin his own offense, I think he could legitimately blow up and become a 170-target guy uh, on certain years, like if they're throwing a lot and they don't have many other options to go to. And I like what you said, that volume is going to be there. So I love Chris Godwin. I love this take. I just think he's a ridiculously talented player and I don't see him leaving Tampa Bay because when you get a player that's that talented, that young, unless you're the Houston Texans, you don't let them go out the window. So yeah, I think the Bucks will make the right choice here. I think they'll pay Chris Godwin and he will continue to get his work because he's deserving of it. He's been nothing but a fantastic receiver since they drafted him. So I, Chris Godwin's a guy that I want to talk about too. You pretty much covered all the talking points there. Um, I love Chris Godwin in Dynasty moving forward. I think he's definitely like a top eight guy at the minimum. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I you mentioned comparing him to Devontae Adams. As a Steelers fan, I look at him and I compare him to Heinz Ward, kind of a like you said, do it all guy. Um, can play in the slot, can play on the outside, and uh, something that that kind of goes un, unnoticed or yeah, unnoticed. Um, is his run blocking ability. Like you talk about him being on the, in the, the two tight end sets. And the reason why he's out there is because he's like the best run blocking uh, receiver on the team. Like he, he's very good at, um, at that kind of stuff. And Heinz Ward was also uh, doing that kind of stuff. I just think that he's a great all around player. Um, I just, I usually gravitate toward, towards guys like that. And he's only 24 right now. So um, I, I believe that the Bucks will eventually re-sign him because I'm sure they, they value him. Um, but even if he doesn't end up in 
uh, Tampa Bay, I, th- I think that he'll end up in a pretty good situation regardless. And his talent will kind of, um, it'll, it'll stand out regardless of where he goes. Yeah. So there's um, certain receivers that I want to see land in Baltimore, but I think the one place I do not want to see Chris Godwin, if he were to leave Tampa Bay would be Baltimore. Um, that's, that's just one thing I wanted to put out there. That, yeah, that is, would just, I that would, would yeah, fantasy value. <laughs> I just would not be a fan of that at all. Um, so, I mean, I guess we're kind of all on the same page there with the, the big name wide receiver, um, who would be an under the radar wide receiver that you're targeting right now, Brandon? Um, so I'm afraid that I'm going to take this from you. <laughs> I got a, I got a couple. Don't worry. I, I came prepared with right. a couple for this one. All right. And, and before I say that, just because you guys are throwing out comparisons, I think uh, Chris Godwin's very much like a Larry Fitzgerald of Ooh, old. I like, like that when, too. Like, yeah, especially when you guys talk about the run blocking, the ability to be on the outside or in the slot. He's not huge. He's like similar in size to Larry Fitzgerald, but he plays big. Um, but anyways, going to a, a under the radar receiver that I really like. Um, I actually have a YouTube video out comparing him to another rookie receiver. It's LaVisca Chenault. He is expert consensus rank wide receiver 40 right now. And uh, this might be a little bit hot for some people, but he is my wide receiver 18 in Dynasty um, because I think he's taking over that role. He's going to be the number one. You look at him and DJ Chark, it's very much like looking to me, especially with you know a good quarterback coming in, like a great situation where LaVisca Chenault can be a high-efficiency, high-volume target He's more of a possession receiver than DJ Chark. Let DJ Chark go down the field, open up the field, take those deep middle routes um, and like all of those things. You know, he plays a little bit deeper. He's not a high volume guy, I think. And LaVisca can actually be the one who gets, you know, maybe 135, 140 targets. And he's also somebody that gets a little sprinkle of fantasy points in the rush game because he, you know, sometimes is using Wildcat. He used to play running back, I believe. And he's just also outstanding like he I wish I had the stats in front of me I talk about it in the YouTube video but he leads the um he leads the rookie class this insane rookie class he leads them in true catch rate which only considers passes that can actually be caught so like not throwaways near the receiver and stuff like that or inaccurate passes and he also leads the the rookie class in contested catch rate it's above 50 percent he wins 50 50 balls all the time if you just watch him, even if you just like watch some highlights, if you haven't seen much of him, you'll very quickly see the potential that this guy has to become a top 12 wide receiver down the line, especially with just a little bit more development because he is so athletic. He's a freak when it comes to, you know, that like spark score stuff, like body weight to speed and ratio and all that stuff. So I love LaVisca Chanel. His situation is only going to get better. And that defense also is like so far away from becoming really good. So the Jaguars offense is going to be an offense that has to throw the ball a lot for a while. So I love this. Yeah, I, I love Visca one because he's ridiculously talented. I mean, if you watch any LaVisca Chanel highlights, you'll just see like one, he's actually a much better route runner than anticipated coming into the NFL. That's what I wanted to see. And he, he showed that like he can run these a pretty, not a full route tree, but he can run a pretty nice route tree. Um, he can be used in the slot outside, wherever you really want him. But my favorite thing about him is one, his run after the catch ability is legitimately unreal. He can l- dominate 
defensive backs. Like if he's catching the ball on like a 15 yard in route and he just sits in the middle of the field, he can turn around, see two defensive backs, break both tackles and go like, he's that talented to do so. He's just one of those, like, he's a dog when he gets the ball in his hands. And I cannot overstate how much I love that about a player. Like when he's an absolute difference maker with the ball in his hands, I think that's a really big thing. And you get urban Meyer, who's a coach that he, he may not have the experience in the NFL, but I just think he really knows how to cater his offense to the players that he has. So you're like you said, he's going to have DJ Chark running deep routes. He's not going to try to pigeonhole him into this all like do it all like full route tree receiver. He's going to let him showcase his speed and downfield ability while giving LaVisca Chanel a ton of room to operate underneath. So I love LaVisca Chanel moving forward. Um, I don't know if I'd have him at wide receiver 18, but he's definitively like probably inside the top 25. So I don't think we're too far off from you there. Like it, it sounds very hot takey, but if you believe in a guy, you rank him as such. And I just believe in LaVisca Chenault, the player. So I love LaVisca Chenault. Um, another guy I want to talk about, I he's not really under the radar, but T Higgins is a player that I really, really love. Um, this is, he's really not under the radar. Like everyone knows who T Higgins is. He's really good, but I just think he isn't valued for what he could end up becoming because T Higgins to me is an alpha number one receiver in the NFL. Um, he kind of started to showcase that a little bit this year, like contested catches against good matchups. It didn't really matter what he was doing. He's a red zone threat. And he's one of those guys that is just, even if he's not open, like technically speaking, he's open because he, he can just go and get the ball. He's really good at fighting back towards the ball, um, creating hands like, uh, separation by hand fighting. He's really good at all these aspects that I love about a receiver and he's just good. And he's in an offense with a good quarterback and a team that is going to throw the ball a ton. Like this won't happen every year, but with Joe Burrow healthy, they were on pace for 770 pass attempts, which is completely unsustainable. It won't happen, but I believe you can at least expect them to be in the 600 range where if, T Higgins is getting like a 25% target share. Then you're looking at what is that like 150 targets? If I'm doing math correctly, um, that's a lot of targets. And for a player that can do a little bit of everything, he can run slants, he can be a possession receiver, but he can also go deep and run win on that nine route. I just love T Higgins moving forward. He's one player that I really like. Um, another guy, another guy that I really like. He's much more under the radar. Darnell Mooney. I don't think he had a game over like 70 yards this year, but whether Allen Robinson stays or goes, I just think Darnell Mooney, the player reminds me a lot of what we saw from Deontay Johnson last year, where he's just really good at getting open, makes life easy on his quarterback. He's electric with the ball in his hands after the catch. And he can also run a full route tree and he's really freaking fast. He can get those deep routes, but he can also do a little bit of everything. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the way that the bears used him. Um, but I just think Darnell Mooney, when you're buying talent, at such a cheap cost, I think it is definitely a good way to play dynasty and the range of outcomes for him are really, really high. And right now you're definitely buying him at his floor because no one really cares that much about Darnell Mooney. Like if you send someone probably like a high third round pick this year, you could probably try to get Darnell Mooney on your team. And I think that's absolutely worth it relative to what his upside could be. I think it's better than most of the guys that'll be going in the third round this year. So he's another guy that I like. That was a lot. That was a big mouthful, but Tyler, uh, who's an under-the-radar guy that you're going after if not the two that I mentioned? Are we um, just keeping it at wide receivers, like not uh, – I mean, if you want to go running back, by all means. I just was talking wide receiver, but whatever you got, shoot away. I was actually – I was going to go tight end, and um, a guy that kind of had a lot of injuries this year or just had an injury that that 
Wingard, uh, Noah Fant uh, over in Denver. I think that he's a guy that um, people really forgot about. I think that he was at tight end six before he started dealing with an ankle injury early on. Um, I think that he's just immensely talented. And, um, you know, if you watch some like midseason till uh, the end of the season, uh, you could tell that he was ailing from that injury. Um, he was clearly not 100%. And I think that he, uh, with better quarterback play, assuming that uh, for the Broncos in 2021, uh, John Elway gave up uh, GM uh, power. And he, he, allowed, he said that, um, you know, Drew Locke is – um, he's okay with not be, having Drew Locke as the quarterback in 2021. I, I personally believe that they'll go in a different direction uh, next year. But um, either way, I think that Pat Shermer, as their offensive coordinator, uh, has done very well with tight ends throughout his career, uh, most uh, in specific uh, Evan Ingram. Out in, in, Ingram. Yeah. yeah, Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, uh, I think, had a career year with Pat Shermer as his, his coach. So – I feel pretty good about Noah Fan. I think that he's uh, a good buy low right now because people kind of forget how talented he is, and he act like forget that he actually has the upside to be the this team's number one receiver, especially give if he's given um, a better quarterback. I think that he's a guy that uh, has top five upside going into twenty twenty one. I see that for sure. Quick question, um, because I, this is honestly a very widely debated topic on Twitter. Um, between the two, obviously TJ Hawkinson had the better season, but who would you rather have moving forward, TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant? It's tough, but um, I think I'm still going Hawkinson. He just has more certainty at this point. Uh, you know that as of right now, he's going to be with Stafford. So um, still kind of waiting to see what, what the Broncos do with the quarterback position. They have the ninth overall pick right now. Uh, possibly a team that could be looking to trade up in the draft to get one of those young guys. But um, you know that the, the the Lions have a pretty good quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Um, you don't know what level the of quarterback play is, is on the Broncos. Um, hopefully it's better than Drew Locke was last year. Um, but either way, I think that fan can, can really ball out this year. Yeah, my thing with the Broncos as a whole is just, I don't know who's going to be the top dog there. Is it going to be Cortland Sutton? Is it going to be Jerry Judy? Is it going to be Noah Fant? Uh, with TJ Hawkinson, there's not so much question. It's either going to be Galladay or Hawkinson. Like, I don't think, like, Hawkinson could realistically be a number one target next year. So Galladay, Galladay's a free agent as well. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's either he's yeah. going to stay and be the number one target, or it is going to be somebody else. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where Galladay ends up. Um, so now, I mean, we've talked buys a little bit, kind of ending up here. I just want to ask Brandon, who is someone maybe, I mean, obviously DK Metcalf would be one of them player that you're trying to sell, but who's someone that I think you think their value just won't get any higher than it is right now. And you'd be currently trying to move in dynasty. Um, so I feel like everyone is, I'm going to kind of give you guys a build up to this player. So I feel like this player at, maybe two years ago or last year would have been good at the price he's valued at now. But at this point, I think everyone's reacting a little bit too late and it's, it's kind of just, you know, a, a quick snap reaction. And I don't think he will live up to the value he's at now. And this is a running back and it's Derrick Henry. He is expert consensus mm. ranking RB six right now. I believe he's 27. He's my running back 15 in fantasy. You never want to pay for pass production. 
And if you're drafting Derrick Henry at running back six, you are absolutely paying for pass production, um, especially with Corey Davis being a free agent and that team's defense like slowly dropping off. And you also have to consider his age, right? He's 27. He had a whole bunch of carries in college, whole bunch of carries now. And, you know, he's a freak, yes, but for him to live up to RB6 in like an NFL right now that I think arguably has the most loaded group of running backs we have seen in the past 10 years, right? In terms of like how deep it goes, you're looking at like RB20 being James Robinson, RB22 being James Robinson or Ronald Jones in, in terms of like just pre, uh, not preseason redraft rankings. So there's so many good running backs that for him to be running back six at his age in dynasty, especially when you have a rookie class that just brought in Clyde, JK Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing someone, James Robinson. Like there's just so many good young players that I would take over Derrick Henry that if you can get any of them plus something else, I would absolutely do that. And I'm like 99% confident you can make that deal like realistically. So Derrick Henry to me would be that guy. I mean, Tyler, you like Derrick Henry. You, you had him in redraft this year. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, um, you know, I, I agree with it. I think that with Derrick Henry, the with the touches that he's gotten over the past, like, two or three years, I think that he may have, like, one, two more years of, like, this kind of, like, top-tier production left. So um, if you were looking to – if you were in a rebuilding situation, I would definitely look into selling Derrick Henry right now, especially with the – with the season that he ended with, not in the, the playoffs, but before that, um, really ended the season on the high note, kind of had the, the, the like the signature Derrick Henry last four games of the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, you could definitely sell him on a high note uh, right now. Uh, I feel like the, the running backs are uh, relatively easy to sell on because, like, you, you kind of have, like, that – four to five year window where they have like very good production. And then you can kind of, it's, it's a lot easier to gauge uh, when the drop off is for running backs, as opposed to wide receivers and tight ends. Um, one person that I was looking at um, is another, is another running back uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I feel like he, he's another guy that has a lot of tread on his tires uh, dating back to Ohio state. And uh, obviously he had a very big uh, rookie season, had like 300 touches. I think that he's had 300 touches every season that he's been like healthy and not suspended for six games. So for me, like I, I think I, I would uh, definitely veer off of uh, Ezekiel Elliott at this time, especially. I think that this is more so uh, a later acquisition just because there's some uncertainty with the, the Cowboys right now uh, with Dak Prescott, a pending free agent. And um, it's, it, it was clear that uh, his production was very reliant on, on Dak Prescott being at, at quarterback. But, um, you know, with the tread on the, the tires that he has, I think that he's a guy that could definitely see a drop-off, maybe not this year, but the year after. And uh, um, obviously with the big contract that he has with, with the Cowboys, he could definitely uh, – um, it would definitely suck for them to have that on on their on their contract with for a guy that's like going into age 26 I think he's 25 right now so uh, I think he would be in age 26 season uh, this upcoming season so um, yeah 
Ezekiel Elliott's definitely the guy that I'm looking at if I have him right now. Um, if I'm in win-now mode or if I'm rebuilding, either way, I'd be looking to sell him right now because he's still sitting at that RB7 range. I think that he's a guy that should be around like the RB10 to RB12 range, possibly uh, later. Yeah, I, I think Zeke is – I'm not dying to sell him, and I understand honestly why some people – Oh my God, I just choked on my own spit. Um, why some people would be trying to buy him. But uh, I just think if you can sell a running back before he has that drop off, that's the perfect way to do it. So this kind of applies to both of the players that you guys mentioned. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be totally down with selling either one of these. You just have to make sure you're getting the right value in return. But Brandon, to your point with Derrick Henry, he's coming off of that 2000 yard season. And I just, while you guys were talking, I did some quick research here. Um, I believe there's been seven or eight uh, total 2000 yard rushing seasons in the NFL history. Um, and looking at all of them, you have Eric Dickerson, Adrian Peterson, Jamal Lewis, Terrell Davis, Chris Johnson, OJ Simpson. Um, the best follow-up season after that 2000 yard season has been 1,284 yards and the highest touchdowns was 12 touchdowns. So this is the peak for Derrick Henry. Like as much as we love him, as much as I think he really is built different and he can kind of like handle that workload. Um, statistically speaking for Derrick Henry to do anything better than 1,284 yards is an outlier based upon what we've seen in NFL history. And that's just in this next coming year. And it probably won't get much better from there because he's a running back that is in this modern NFL outdated like he does not catch that many passes. He's not a very good route runner. He cannot do a lot. He cannot add in many different ways. He's a great pass blocker, but that's not, I mean, there's a lot of good pass blocking running backs, Zeke being one of them that they also catch passes. So I think Derrick Henry is probably the perfect sell. Like just, he's coming off a 2000 yard year. He's coming off a fantastic year. Everyone at this point is talking themselves into the fact that Derrick Henry is just an all time great, which he probably will go down as, but I don't see him getting much better from this year. So like you said, if you can try to sell him for one of those young running backs, like an Antonio Gibson, a DeAndre Swift, like DeAndre Swift is a guy I love moving forward. I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in Swift. But if you can sell him for one of those guys and then get something else added into it, that's just icing on the cake. That's just unbelievable. Um, one guy that I want to talk about, not a running back. I wish I would have known that we were going with running backs here. But um, someone I just don't, I think they're going to be overvalued after the past few games that they've had, Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown is a guy that I really think one, he's being misused, but two, his ceiling is just not there. Um, like if you, like if we don't like DK Metcalf that much because of what kind of target player he is, like he doesn't get that many targets. I think Hollywood Brown's the same way. He's really like a Tyler Lockett-esque player where he's going to be like a big play guy where he he's going to have chemistry with his quarterback, but I don't see him getting more than like 110, 120 targets on a year. Um, and if anyone values him as a guy that maybe had a breakout and is developing into year three, then I would try to sell him as such. I'm not really sure what exactly I would look for in trying to get in trading him, but I just don't think there's going to be much. It's going to, he's going to get much better at this point in his career. Like he'll be better as a player, but fantasy wise, I just don't see him becoming any, anything ever consistent. So if you can try to sell him based off of being a young player that kind of just had a mini breakout personally, I would, I could be wrong in saying this, but if Lamar Jackson is going to be his quarterback, I think they need to bring in another receiver in Baltimore. I think they need a number one. So a guy like Kenny Galladay, Tyler, you sold me on that. I think Galladay would be a perfect fit for that offense and what they need. Um, I just don't think Hollywood Brown is 
going to live up to the expectation that some people might have for him. So if you can try to sell based off of that expectation, based off the end of this season, then I would look to do so. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Galladay, like you said, or even an Allen Robinson mm-hmm. are very that was, good. That was the guy that I wanted. A-Rob is like the guy that I want in Baltimore. But Tyler sold me on Galladay just because yeah. I don't think A-Rob goes there, honestly. Why would he go there? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I was actually talking about because uh, somebody asked me a question specifically about Robinson and where he would go. And I was like laying out like four landing spots. Um, and when I was talking about the Ravens, like it, it's like such a tough decision for somebody like that because he has not ever had like a legit passing quarterback, like a really good passing quarterback. And Lamar wouldn't be that. But he's also if he goes to uh, Baltimore, he's giving himself a chance at a ring. So like it's like the winning. Like, do you want the winning or do you want the the padded like? the stat mm-hmm. padding you know yeah. so I, I thought that was interesting but um yeah I, I agree with a lot of the the last few things that have been said for sure um and I, I like your point to Marquise Brown being like a Tyler Lockett because if you have Tyler Lockett without Russell Wilson and in an offense that passes even less than Seattle <laughs> that's a problem yeah yeah it's it's not the, the outlook is just not very great um so yeah I mean unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about that pretty much covers everything that I wanted to try to say so i mean tyler brandon any last words before we split um i'll just throw i'm not gonna expound on this i'll just throw it out there but um tyler boyd is always undervalued i am otherwise the east coast robert woods yes i am always known as the uh, boyd man on twitter every time somebody posts something about tyler boyd somebody tags me um i actually have a shirt a deep dive fantasy football shirt that says boyd brothers on the back (laughs) <laughs> so Tyler Boyd is my dude. Uh, he's my uh, dynasty wide receiver 19 ECR Ooh. 30 right now behind so, LaVisca. That is interesting. Him and LaVisca are yeah, right on top of each other. I couldn't decide who, who to put where, but uh, just keep your eyes open for Boyd. Everyone that's listening. Cause since he's been a starter top 18 receiver, top 18 receiver this year, he was wide receiver 12 before Burrow got injured. He yeah. Really- I, I love the Tyler Boyd pick. Um, as someone that, that drafted him relatively early in a, a startup dynasty last year, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very confident in, in Tyler Boyd in his production um, over the next few seasons. Obviously, he's locked up with uh, the Bengals. I think he had a four, four-year, $40 million extension that kicked in last year. And, um, you know, if Joe Burrow comes back healthy, I feel very confident in him getting the volume that he needs to be a productive wide receiver. Um Someone I wanted to name as a big name wide receiver to target. Um, we kind of mentioned him before, Allen Robinson. Um, he's obviously a pending free agent right now. And uh, he almost requested a trade early on in the season. And uh, I like, from my point of view, I looked at it as like a, a guy that was kind of sick of dealing with all these, uh, these doo-doo quarterbacks that you mentioned before um, throughout his career. And I think that he wants to go and play with um, – a very good like, like a, a higher quality quarterback that could maximize his talent and um I really see him as like I'm really looking at him looking at him as a guy like Keenan Allen I mentioned that last pod um someone who could really really uh maximize the opportunity of having a new quarterback uh for Keenan Allen it's Justin Her- it was Justin Herbert um Allen Robinson that remains to be seen but I think that uh, he's more of a risky play at this point, but, um, you know, he's a tremendously talented wide receiver. Uh, we, we've talked about him a lot. And I think that he, he puts himself in a situation where 
uh, whatever a team that where uh, a team would maximize his value and like what he brings to the football field for, to a football team. So where would um, that be? Is my question. I keep trying to think of the yeah. best fit for Robinson and like outside of Houston, like Deshaun Watson, wherever he goes, would probably be the best place. That's that's what I think about. I also I, I think about the New York Giants. Um, I was kind of I was bullish on Daniel Jones taking a taking a leap last year. I think that yeah. that was kind of uh, that didn't turn out so well. But um, I think that he does better this year, and um, you know I, I think that's a place that he can still get uh, more volume. I think that Daniel Jones still progresses. Maybe doesn't take the leap that I was expecting, but he's going into year three, and uh, the Giants seem confident in him. So I think that the Giants would be a good fit for him. Besides that, off the top of my head, um, I can give you guys my four spots that I that I was yeah. please wanna... please. So um, I was when I was I was looking at obviously cap space and then also like you know situation. I was looking at Miami, um, New New York Jets, Baltimore, and Indy. So Indy. I think I think Indy would be the best place. But the problem is right now we have no idea who the quarterback is. Yeah. And, um what was the other team that you just said that you were talking about like, oh, oh you were talking about houston gaddy you said houston yeah, it, right? well, yeah really yeah, just yeah. wherever deshaun watson ends up would be the perfect fit for me yeah but i mean now we just don't know where watson's gonna be but if he ends up in yeah. miami or new york fire it up that'd be amazing yeah My, miami would be interesting because like he's not he doesn't really fit like i i wouldn't be surprised if they sign him but personally, I don't think he would fit exactly what they need mm-hmm. um, because they kind of need a separator. And Allen Robinson's not, not a separator. He's very similar to Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. He's just a better version of them. Um, so I think that Miami hopefully is not where he goes. But when you're talking about Watson, I think whoever signs Watson should sign Fuller. I agree. Like if, if, if imagine if hypothetically Watson goes to Miami and everyone's up in arms because they yes, gave up like Fuller. Three first round picks, get Fuller, and then maybe yeah. get Allen Robinson too if you have the extra money. I doubt that would happen, caps but like cap space wise. Yeah. But like that's yeah, just a dream for right Dolphins fans. Honestly, that would be really cool for that to happen for them. Um, I'd be happy if Watson did not end up in Miami, just because I'm a Patriots fan. And I would like to not be the worst team in the division for the foreseeable future. But um, I mean, maybe it's our time to take it maybe it's our turn because uh <laughs> had quite the run and um now it's it's we're belichick retiring away from being the worst franchise in the nfl but that's a conversation for a later date um brandon once again thank you for joining us your presence was greatly appreciated today i love talking about the dk metcalf because to, to go out there and say that dk metcalf might actually be a sell um, you know, you got to be confident in what you're saying and saying that because people are going to call you out on it, whether you're right or wrong. And I do believe you did a fantastic job of laying out that case. So thank you for kind of explaining it to us and the people who are listening to this podcast. And once again, find him on Twitter, Brandon, your Twitter, your Instagram, your YouTube, if you want to just give every people everywhere your your social media, now would probably be a good time to do so. <laughs> All right, cool. I appreciate that. So Instagram is deep dive fantasy football. The website is deepdivefantasyfootball.com. Twitter is deepdiveff. And then YouTube is just deepdivefantasyfootball. And podcast is deepdivefantasyfootball. So it's the same thing for everything except Twitter. I didn't want to be long, right? So Twitter is just deepdiveff. All right. All right, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Good luck to your Bucks this weekend. I, I think I think you will have another two weeks of oh, waiting for the boy. Bucks to play again. But we'll oh, see. Boy. 
We'll see I what happens. See. I'm I'm rooting for the Bucks. I love my guy Brady and I love my guy Rojo and We'll see what happens. That wraps up our pod with Deep Dive Fantasy Football. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy, where we're posting rookie spotlights of the 2021 draft class, coaching impacts from this year's coaching changes, and tons of dynasty content to keep you prepared for both the NFL draft and free agency, or maybe even a startup draft.